Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Friday, casual Friday. It's Friday, April 29th. And we've got a lot of stuff to talk about, possibly, right? You know what we do on Fridays. Fridays are so casual. It's oh, it's almost always casual anyway, right? I'll talk a little bit about baseball. Got soccer tomorrow. If you have anything to do, anything about the Premier League slate tomorrow, I don't mind talking about it. MMA. I know that there's a select group of you that come here for, for some of my, my MMA, my MMA sheets and everything. So uh, maybe we'll look at that. I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little, little probability, a little, little exercise. We, I, I, I got something planned for you guys. So a math lesson for you people, right? You know me, I always try to try to give, uh, give the, 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 the formulas and the statistics and, and, and make you, make you a better DFS player by thinking more probabilistically. And you know what will make you a better DFS player? By giving me a thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up. Come on. Yeah, it's the first thing in the morning. That's the first thing you should be doing, hitting that thumbs up button. Give me those thummy thumbs. Devin's in the chat uh, begging you to do that also, right? We got we got real-life pitcher, Doug Montgomery, Suki Singh, Joe Mack, Eric Runick, Andrew Garcia, Hog Lawrence, Trey, first-round exit, Matt Mears. Good morning. Hog Lawrence says the MMA slate looking into the Yeah, it, the MMA slate is, is, is the types of slates that I like. The past couple, the past like five or six, have been like very barbelly. This one is 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 much is much much up more more up my uh, up my alley. But we'll we'll take a look at that. Uh, let's see, uh, Matt Mears. Yeah, we we had uh, we had our uh, our uh, coaching call right. If you're a Roto Grinders premium member and, and you're not taking advantage of it, I don't know why you're not. Right? People ask me all the time for private coaching. Can we do some one-on-one stuff? I get, I yeah, I can ask questions in the YouTube chat. I, you know, I listen to your podcasts and all your shows, but but it, it I have specific questions. I want to do this and whatever. And a lot of times I'm repeating myself anyway, but maybe it sinks in a little bit more in one-on-one. Uh, well, it's a value add as part of your Roto Grinders Premium uh, subscription. So click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. We had one last night, eight o'clock, and not many people. I think there was only like eight, eight, seven, eight people on the line. And uh, and basically, I answer anything you want, anything, and it's not recorded, so you can feel free to be as open as you want. And we do them about once a week. The next one's May twelfth, right? I, I kind of stagger them out, so so join. And I, you know, it doesn't cost you anything extra, right? For for some one on one help. And Matt was uh, was asking for DFS therapy, right? He's on a he's on a three week downswing in MLB, right? It's three weeks. It's three weeks, buddy. Wait for three months. Right, that's what we talked about. Handling downswings. Oh, I don't know. I did really well last last season, but the first three weeks MLB. Oh, oh, it's not like I've done well. I've actually been a little bit profitable in MLB. I, I I had like one or two good days, like a week, a week and a half ago, that like made up for all the all the bad days. Uh, not a ton of money, but I mean, I think I'm marginally profitable so far for the season. But yesterday, yesterday was uh was one of those uh put in a bunch of money and get nothing back type of days, right? When the highest owned uh, individual batter uh, gets 25 points with Aaron's judge uh, and I don't have them, uh, that's going to be a problem, right? When all the chalk pitchers go off, that's going to be a problem. When Manny Machado, chalky at third base goes off and I don't have them, that's going to be a problem. So yeah, so yesterday was a bit of a chalky, chalky day. Uh, in Major League Baseball. So if you had like the, I guess the Yankees and the Padres, maybe some combination of that, uh, you probably did well, but uh, they also were owned, right? The Yankees were, I think the Yankees were the, the highest owned team on the slate. 
And uh, I played like a, I played like a three man stack in one of my lineups with them. Uh, but, uh, but no, but I, I mean, but I was, I was playing for like, I'm going to stack against Wheeler and the, the Rockies didn't do anything. Wheeler actually had a good game, uh, you know, playing the Rays uh, Mariners game that almost no one was playing. Uh, even though the, the Rays were kind of owned, uh, that didn't work out. That game was what two to one. Right. So I just like fade the chalk and sit, see what happens. I'll spread it around and the chalk comes in. I'm going to lose. Right. But most days, most days, baseball is built around failure. So, so I, I don't want, I, I'm, I'm not trying to win the, the high scoring slates. I'm trying to win the low scoring slates, right? This, uh, we had a, the lineup that one was kind of a messy lineup, but three, two, one, 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 whatever, I, I guess. I guess as long as you had McCutcheon, Judge, Birdie, I guess, well, it was 11% of 2,200, right? Two good pitchers, I looked at Verlander, Wheeler, or Peralta, you were probably fine. Right. We take a look uh, over here. Right here, here, here. This is what I thought. Right. Five, five, three Yankees Padres with Wheeler and Peralta. See, this makes more of a sense. Right. Hassan Kim had a good game at 2.7% ownership. Matt Beattie, it, it was his birthday yesterday. We only got six points and he got pinch hit for, but whatever. He's part of the second place lineup. How about the third place lineup? Right here. Five, three Yankees Padres. Here's five, five, two, one, five Padres two Orioles with Austin Hayes at 2% and Aaron Judge is a one-off, right? Right, okay. So these, these, the, more of these make sense towards the top, right? You go, oh, well, the winning lineup was a 3-2-2, two, two, whatever messy kind of crap. Yeah, but look at all the lineups that are just slightly above, below it. But if, it, if this person only put in one lineup, did not put in a lineup, you'd have all of these, right? Here's a 5-2-1. Here's a here's a 5-3 with the Twins and the Yankees. Here, here's a mess. Okay, this, this, is, this is more of a mess. Uh, here's a, here's a five, five, two, one, right? I mean, here's a, here's another five, two, one circling the drain over here. Here's a five, three or the four, five, three BK reader, five Orioles, two Yankees, one Padre. I mean, look, if you take a look at the top 1% lineups, they're going to be, they're going to be correlated. Okay. But there's still enough, you know, people that throw in, you know, messy kind of lineups in. And, uh, and yeah, if you, if you get lucky, one of them, one of them comes to the top and Trey says, I was 10th in the mini max until the judge home run dropped me to 99th. Yeah. Yeah. Well, judges, when judges in a quarter of the lineups, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Let's take a look, compare exposures across the board. I mean, we even take a look at like Aaron judge, like most, most under, right. He Hafner under the Colts under. The whistles go woo now a little bit, a little bit over, right? I look at Royal Pain. Like, I don't know how many. Oh, no, Royal Pain played a bunch of lineups, right? Got a, that zero Wheeler, zero Peralta, right? Yeah, what, what pitchers was he playing? Okay, the built. Okay, great. We could filter by position except for pitcher because it doesn't show up. Can I do catcher at least? Okay. So now we could filter by position, but except for the pitcher. Okay. I've been complaining about that not working. And then it, then it, oh, it looks like it works, but it doesn't work for the one exact one that I that I actually want to use it for, the pitchers. Okay, so someone, someone has to get on that. I don't know who, do I have to yell to the rafters? Someone, someone get on that. Uh, let's see, Manny Machado, Tariq Skubal. Right, yeah, Royal Penn had a bunch of Skubal then, I guess. Let's see. And Bailey Ober, Trevor, right? Yeah, I was way over on Trevor Rogers. 21 points for 6,100, pretty damn good. But not good enough when Peralta, Verlander, and Wheeler all, all all do well, right? Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Yeah, baseball was yesterday. This was baseball. 
The Reds were fairly popular because they were cheap on DraftKings. They were a little bit lower on than I thought they would be, right? Because they, I mean, they were really, really cheap. Votto, Fam, where's Naquin? Naquin somewhere. Kyle Farmer, Jake Fraley was leading off, right? Seven percent owned. I mean, on a nine-game slate, that's 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 fairly that's fairly owned, right? It was hard to spend most of your salary though. So, like playing a five-man Red Stack was was kind of tough. Even if you played for Ver, paid Verlander, Wheeler, and the Red Stack, you ended up on Aaron Judge, and paying a I don't know, Bryce Harper or something like that. You had tons of money, so salary wasn't an issue. So if you left like two grand on the table yesterday in MLB, that was per- perfectly fine. Leaving salary on the table. And MLB is absolutely fine. And in fact, it's very hard. It's, 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 sometimes it's impossible, let alone very hard, to stack two crappier teams, if you want to call it, lower-priced teams without, without leaving money on the table. Even if you spend up for two 10K pitchers. Sometimes you go 5-3, 4-3-1, or sometimes you do 4-3-1 and your one-off is like a high-priced one-off. You have Juan Soto or something in your lineup. But even then, sometimes you're leaving 800 on the table, 1,200 on the table. So if you're if you're in lineup HQ or whatever, it's like like if you're not getting the lineups that you want, it's like, oh, I want a bunch of X and a bunch of Y and all these stacks. And you see that your minimum salary is like 49.8 or something down here. Like that's preventing you from getting those Marlins, Oakland A's stacks or something. Right. If you wanted those combinations, you wonder why. Why aren't I not getting those combinations? How come all my Marlins or all my Reds are with the Yankees? Right. So like because it's not you've had a minimum salary there. So like yesterday's slate, if you wanted to set the minimum salary for forty eight thousand, then you could get more of those types of combinations, assuming you want those combinations. Right. So uh, so don't don't necessarily feel compelled to like, oh, well, this lineup leaves seven hundred on the table. Should I break up this five two one and do four two one one because I could upgrade, you know, Kyle Farmer to Willie Adamas or something and he projects for a point and a half better or something like you don't you don't need to right don't feel that compelled to spend all of your salary NBA is a different story NBA most likely spending most of your salary almost all the time but that was that was uh that was major league baseball yesterday of course if you have any questions got any questions strategy wise feel free to type them into the YouTube chat into the YouTube chat give me those thumbs ups be a shorter show today I got a soccer show after this because uh, we got a soccer slate tomorrow. Four-game slate. Feel free to play it. We need more people in the, the English Premier League soccer streets. There's only like four, four, four game weeks left of the season. I think four, right? One, two, three, yeah, four. Four left. Uh, and then there'll, there'll be international competitions, whatever. So feel free to get into some soccer DFS. We do have projections, right? We do. I could go over here and I could even see the projections, right? The initial. I don't know. I don't know if Alex has, has uploaded the initial projections and remember in, 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 in uh, yeah. Okay. He has uh, remember in, in soccer uh, median projections are not uh, they're very high standard deviation players, right? Median projections are not equal to each other, right? Joshua King has a median projection of 10. Like he will never score. He'll rarely ever score 10 points. He's a center forward. So it's like, he's going to get two or three or like 15 and 16 and something like that. Right. So you look here, it's like, Oh, okay. This one is projected higher than others. Like, Alexis McAllister has a better shot at getting 11 the way that he plays. He's a central midfielder with set piece duty, right? He's more likely to rack up shots and crosses and stuff like that. He's not as goal dependent. John McGinn, not as goal dependent, right? When we go, we scroll down a bit and we go, you know, to, uh, you know, even like Ollie Watkins at 13, like he's much more goal dependent, 
So it's very similar to, to high strikeout home run hitters in, in baseball. So like, oh, they, oh, Aaron Judge has a great projection, but it's like it mostly comes from him hitting home runs. And if he doesn't hit home runs, he doesn't come close to that median projection. So if you're going to play soccer, there's a difference there. Right? You're going to see, oh, Josh King is the value of the slate, 3,700, 10 points. Give me 10 points. It's like, I don't, I don't think he scores 10 points. Right? He scores three, maybe two, three, ones, and then he'll, he'll score a goal. He'll take a penalty. He'll have 15, 16, something like that. So the range of outcomes is very wide and not normally distributed. It's much more bimodal. That's the only thing that you probably have to learn a little bit more in soccer, right? You go in and we just put in the, like the, the optimal, whatever we have currently in projections, right? You'll see here, it's like, you're probably not going to see these, these cash lineups, right? You see King, Coutinho, a lot of Aston Villa because they're, they're a big favorite tomorrow. But more, most more likely, you're going to see James Ward-Prowse, right? He's 10.4K. He has a projection of 14, but damn it, he gets 14. He... He gets there, right? Like, that's a true normally distributed median projection. Like, you could just lock in, like, a good 12 to 14 points no matter what, right? Because he takes all the set pieces for Southampton. They're favored at home, and he also gets tons of peripherals and everything. And he's on set piece. He's on set all the set pieces. He's on penalty kicks. He's on everything. So more likely that you're, you're ca- if you're going to build a cash lineup, it's, yeah, now this, this looks a little bit more, more useful. Maybe Olise doesn't, eh, it doesn't matter, eh. I'm not sure if Valisi is that much of a cash play. He's not going to play 90 minutes. Like, so if you're like, if you're trying to make like double up lineups or small field GPP lineups, like meeting projections aren't like the be all end all. They're, they're a good guide, but they aren't the be all end all. You know, like players have, have like uh, Coutinho has more of a shot of getting to 14 without a goal or an assist than Ollie Watkins who, or Danny Ings or their, their center forwards where who don't touch the ball that often. Right, they touch the ball to shoot the ball when they get it. And they may get like four shots the game in the game. If they don't score any of their four shots, like they don't get anything. Right, all the other guys that are outside on the wings or whatever, they're getting fouled, they're crossing the ball, they're taking some shots. Right, so it's more likely that they rack up more peripheral points. So just that that's a little little soccer refresher for you. We got uh, we got a, a, a big slate tonight. Thirteen games, I think. Let's see. 13 games tonight. Uh, got a bunch of cheap pitchers. Well, on, on DraftKings, at least. DraftKings, uh, let, let, let me take a look. I'm going to assume most of the point-per-dollar plays are going to be the Reds. Uh, DraftKings uh, just forgot to uh, change the pricing on the Reds going into Coors Field. So the Reds, I, I can't see the Reds not being chalky. I mean, they, they're, they're batting horrible. I mean, look, their projections aren't even that that great raw point-wise for being in cores, right? But I mean, look at their point per dollar. Like Mustak, like Mustakis, Fam, Vado. Let me look at these prices. No one, the India is 3,500. He's the most expensive player on the team. Everyone else, under 3K in cores against Senzatella, who's not even like really not a strikeout pitcher. Does that mean they're gonna do well? I'm the Reds have not been playing well at all. They've not been hitting well at all. But at these price, I mean, they're they're nearly minimum price. So I'm assuming I'm assuming based on the bat currently, I'm assuming if I if I look at an optimal, it's going to have a ton of Cincinnati, right? Giolito, Montes, one, two, three, four, four Cincinnati players, right? India, Vado, Mustakis, Fam, and then you got the Dodgers as usual. 
Buxton as a payup option, right? You could do kind of whatever the hell you want with the Reds. But that's going to lead to a lot of very similar lineup constructions. Understand, understand that. You're going to play a five-man Red Stacks and cores. Like, most likely you're paying up twice a pitcher, and you can, you, you can pay up everywhere. So you're gonna, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead you to Dodgers. It's going to lead you to, to any 6K batter, something like that. Right? I mean, this is already, this is like a 4-3-1 lineup, right? The, the, the cash top optimal median for the bat right currently is a 4-3-1 with Buxton. And only because Buxton has raw points. 10 points for 6,100 is not all that great. But you got to spend, you got to spend the salary somewhere. So just be careful. Be careful tonight. Be careful tonight when it comes to the Reds. I'm assuming that will be chalky. On DraftKings, at least, not on FanDuel. FanDuel, FanDuel, some of the some of the batters are slightly underpriced, but for the most part, they're 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 efficient, right? Even if D, I think Dean. Yeah, Dean is uh yeah, Dean Dean's up early in the morning. He was complaining yesterday about oh, I have to get up so early. And I see him tweeting about the Reds pricing, right? Right, Dean, Dean, a minute ago. He's up. He's having fun, right? Right, he's posting about the Reds, putting a, a Larry David here. What's Dean doing up this early? Don't complain about getting up early because I'd normally be up this early. I could complain about being up this early. Raul asks, is it rival to stack high-projected over-owned teams but using lesser-owned part, bottom third of the Dodgers, for instance, to have exposure to a high uh, implied run total but make it easier to build in leverage? Yeah. Sure, why not? It's about lineups, not players. Remember. Just because it's like, oh, I can't I can't play the Reds. It's like, no, you just can't play, you just you can't play five batters with that ownership, with this own, like the combined ownership of everything. You can play the five most owned players on, on the slate. Now do you know that the rest of the lineup can't has to be, you have to make up for that. So it's like, oh, I want to play the Dodgers, but I don't want to play bet. Like you can absolutely do that. Is the projection versus ownership good enough? That's all that matters. So it's like, oh, this stack is over-owned. It's like the, the, the most on average, right? That's what that means. If you're taking a look at a, at a tool like Slate IQ, it's like, oh, well, the Astros are over-owned. It's like, well, the average five-man Astro stack is over-owned, but it doesn't mean all Astro stacks are over-owned. You're going to do six, seven, eight, nine, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and the eight and nine batters are 7% and 3%. Yeah, then now, now they're not, now they're not over-owned, right? But of course you're playing the worst hitters, you know, typically in the lineup, but of course you can. It, lineups matter, not players, okay? Once you, once you beat that into your head, you'll, you'll find that playing MLB DFS is like brain dead. You don't have to do much. You pick some teams, you make some lineups, you make sure they're not that high owned and you don't, and you make sure they're not that low projected and somewhere in that middle. And then you can make thousands of them. Feel free to make thousands upon thousands of them and pick the ones that you want, right? Well, what, do I play this one or that one? It really doesn't matter. Flip a coin at that point. But typically you're going to want to play more of the under-owned compared to their expectation and less of the overall compared to their expectation to exploit the field and then add in correlation. So you increase the variance of your lineup. There, that, that's MLB DFS. Ding. 
We solved it, people. We solved it. The MMA card tomorrow is, uh, is one of my types of cards. I mean, I wish there were more fighters. I mean, it's a 12-fight card. I would have preferred 14, 13, 14, 15. But it's my type of card. Like, like if, if this Romanov-Sherman fight was not on the card, it would be totally up my alley, right? Then, then that would be a perfect card. And what, what do I mean by it's my type of card? Well, I like cards where the higher priced options are not the hugest of favorites. They're the biggest favorites, but they're not huge favorites. So like, obviously Romanoff is a minus 1800 favorite. I mean, like Romanoff, I, I, I've not seen inside the distance lines of like 540 ever, minus 540, okay? So this is the canceled fight from last week. So they're, they're rescheduled it for this week. But if you took that fight off the slate, Andre Feely would be the biggest favorite on the slate, and he's only at minus 225, 69%. Feely, 69, Brito, 35. I mean, yes, Brito is favored. Uh, you know, Feely is favored about two, a little over two to one, but two to one ain't a massive favorite. A lot of times we get that last week, we had a, we had four fighters over 9,000 that had like more than a more than a 80% chance of winning. Right then, then the pricing may be worth it, but on this slate, it's like a lot of close fights, right? Because even the Feely and Tyra, those fights that I mean, a lot of times we wouldn't see a plus one eighty five dog at at sixty nine hundred. We'd see them at seventy four hundred because of the that there are a lot of heavy favorites on the slate. So this is the type of slate. If you took away the Romanov Sherman fight, where I would have a lot of lineups that leave a thousand plus on the table. Because it's like, the, 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 I can see a lot of dogs winning because they're much closer fights. And the field likes to spend a lot of their salary, right? They go, well, why am I going to just, why am I going to play Darren Elkins when I could have the money to, to get feeling, right? Instead of, you know, it's leaving 700 on the table, right? But is feeling that much better than Elkins? No. I mean, take a look at these inside the distance lines, like really... Orlovsky stands out like someone like Orlovsky stands out is like like he's gonna be he's gonna be lower owned but I mean less likely to get a finish but even in the lower range yeah Laness stands out his inside the distance for an underdog but like plus 400 I mean it's not it's they're not that much different most of the fighters other than the Romanov Sherman fight are I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if I this is the type of slate where I wouldn't be surprised if six or seven underdogs won because they're barely an underdog. So in those cases, it's it's much more, much more likely that the optimal, the winning GPP lineup leaves money on the table. There's multiple underdogs score 100 plus in their wins. And you don't need like Philly score, Philly wins, but scores 93, right? Or maybe all three of these guys lose, possible. Or none of the of any of these nine thousand dollar fighters even put up hundred plus. They win, but they win eighty six. But Elkins and Dawson both have one hundred and ten, and Daniel De Silva at mid range has hundred. Vera wins as the main favorite, main event underdog with one hundred and sixteen. And then next thing you know, you know, Johan Laness has a first round knockout, quick win bonus, and it's like, why do you need any of these nine K fighters? That's why I like these types of slates because the field's propensity is to spend most of their salary. Now on slates where there's like multiple heavy favorites in the 9K range, 
Now it's much more likely that a, a lineup that has is 49-5 plus, 49-7 plus is the optimal, right? So it's much less likely that I'm leaving a thousand on the table. I'm just trying to get as different as I can, even while spending most of my salary. And I don't mind that, especially on like 15 fight cards because there's enough options. So on this slate coming up, outside of the Romanov-Sherman fight, like... You and and the main obviously the main event, which is in the middle, mid-range. So a mid-range main event is more likely to be optimal. The 8300 for 7900 dollars fight. Because they don't have to beat as many other fighters below them. Right. And they can easily in five rounds beat fighters that are above them in price. So I think Romanoff plus uh if you build a lineup that's Romanoff plus main event fighter, the other four slots could literally be like you could do. For instance, let's go to the MMA DraftKings. Like, even if you wanted to build with two chalky pieces in your line, once this loads. So Romanoff and a main event fighter is going to be the most likely, the two most popular, two first pieces into the most lineup constructions. So we're going to put in him. We're going to put in, let's say, Rob Funk. Let's, uh, let's, let, let, let's, let's say Marlon Vera, right? So we have average remaining salary is 81.25, okay? Now, based on the, all these other fights, if we take a look at the probabilities, like they're not, they're not that dramatic. I would not be shocked if, 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 the, if the, other than Sherman, if Brito, Candelario, Breeden, Young, Mearshart, if they all win, right? If, if, if lower underdogs, because they're, bar they're, they're barely different. The difference between Joe Anderson, Brito, and Gerald Mearshot is not, is not that dramatic, other than inside the distance line, I guess. But it's not that dramatic. So, like, in, on these lineups, like, if you wanted to just, if you literally, it's totally viable, even playing Romanoff plus a main event fighter and playing Brito, Candelario, Breeden, Young, okay? You've left 4,100 on the table. This is a completely valid line. This is a lineup that, on any other slate, with very these guys would be such heavy underdogs that the likelihood of, of this being the optimal is way lower. But this, is it a lineup that I'm going to play? Probably not. I'm probably not going to play four of these together, right? Leave 4,100 on the table. But, I mean, take a look at how many, even if you play Font, right, who's the, the higher-priced main event fight, right, 8,300. I mean, you don't have to play any of these. I mean, you could play, you could play, I think Dawson's going to be over-owned. Like you could do Elkins, you could play Elkins, you could play Collier against Arlovsky, right? You could play Breeden against Levy. Uh, and you could play, let's see, Liness, right? You left 800 on the table. Like this is, a, this is probably a lineup that I would build. Left 800 on the table. I have no issue with this lineup whatsoever. You take out Elkins and you go, okay, I'm going to take out Elkins and I'm going to put in Daniel Da Silva. Okay, you leave 1,200 on the table. This, is a per this lineup could be optimal. Even playing a 50-plus, 60-plus percent Romanoff at 9,600 and, and Rob Font or Rivera in the mid-range at 40-plus percent. Of and this could be, maybe it's not the most, well, 1,200 on the table, this could be, this could be duped maybe two or three times, which is fine with me leaving 1,200 on the table. But a lot of people are going to be compelled to do this. They're going to go, okay, they're going to play Romanoff. They're going to play Font. They're going to play Liness. They're going to play Jared Gordon, right? Those are going to probably be the two most popular underdogs, right? They have 
450 left. They're going to play Grant Dawson, maybe something like this, play Grant Dawson and Daniel De Silva, I guess, at 8200. Right. Like this will be a pot. Like this is a lineup that you should not play tomorrow. I'm assuming this lineup will be duplicated more than, at least more than 10, maybe more than 20 or 30 times. Right. The two most popular underdogs, the most popular favorites, Font, Dawson, and Romanoff. Like just this combination is going to be duped too many times. And it uses literally all of your salary. But let's say you wanted to play one of like, oh, I want to play Tyra now. So you take out Romanoff. Right. You don't play Dawson now. Right. You still play Gordon. You play Tyra up here instead of Dawson. Right. And then you play something like Mearshart. And 8,600 left. Right. You can still play Elkins. You could still do something. Let's say you don't play Mearshart. You go down to Mike Breeden against Levy. And then you still have 8,800 to play Dawson. Right. Like this type of lineup. Like this lineup is going to be duped too many times. Leaves, leaves 100 on the table. Right. And instead of playing Tyra, you go, oh, I'm going to play Philly instead. Okay. Well, that's that lineup is going to be duped too many times. Right. Because people are just spending up for Philly, Tyra, and Levy. And if they're not, they're probably going to play Dawson. I think that the best option in this range is Gina, Gina Mazzani. But let's see what her ownership ends up being. Now, according to my sheet, Gina Mazzani is, uh, is other than Romanoff. Romanoff, I have average owned 57%. Probably comes in higher. But this, obviously, this sheet is not updated for everything else that I put in here. But Romanoff is going to be the most owned and the most, the highest, like, this guy should probably should be 75% owned on this slate. 80% owned on this slate. He's going to be under that. So technically, he's, he provides leverage. Technically, even though he's the most... He's one of those things that you see more in NBA, right? Oh, the most owned fighter, yet he's not owned enough, right? Then a lot of these underdogs like Connolly and Gordon and Shanna Young, like they're going to be, they're going to be over-owned, right? Grant Dawson, a bit over-owned. Gabe Green, maybe a little over-owned. Arlovsky over-owned, even if he's going to be 20%, that's over-owned for him. Right? So building lineups like this, like, so you could see, like, spending all of your salary, you're going to start running, especially if you're going to spend all of your salary and use Romanov and a main event fighter. Right? You're going to run into a lot, you're going to run into dupes. If you use most of your salary. If you don't use most of your salary, if you leave money on the table, you're less likely so. Right, because let's say you don't play Romanoff or a main event fighter. Now you play Philly. Now let's say you do like Philly Tyra, Mazzani, right? Something like, you could build something like this, right? Maybe you play Breeden, 7,700. Like you could even play like Gordon. You could even do something like that. Gordon Vera or something. Like this type of lineup. I still think this is a little, little, little too chalky. You're having a main event fighter. You're playing the probably most uh, owned underdog, but I don't mind this. This is a 50K lineup, but you don't have Romanoff in it, right? So you're hoping, you're, in this type of lineup, you're not hoping for Romanoff to lose. You're just hoping Romanoff, uh, you know, gets this, maybe Sherman survives to the second round and Romanoff finishes him early in the second and scores 86 points. Or maybe he finishes too early in the first. Scores 97. But Philly and Tyra both put up 108. Right? And then you don't need Romanoff anymore. 
Now, Romanoff is not going to be out for me. Even though Romanoff wins. So it's not like you have to put Sherman in these lineups. But that's the main thing. Thinking of the, of the combinations. What do the lineups look like? Not, not the fighters. Uh, Hog Lawrence asks, what says my column? Okay, he's asking for a new, a new column that I put. Uh, it's not it's not proprietary, but it's not it's not uh, a it's not a, a metric that is used at Rotoverse. It's used somewhere else. Uh, the main the the reason why I put this in, I waited a little, is it's not I can't use a ceiling projection because it's normally distributed. Okay, the the weakness of my sheet has always been that it doesn't take into account high scoring decision wins. Right. Since I'm since round one and inside the distance lines are so correlative to hundred plus point scores, like it's but it's not the only thing that could be a hundred plus points. I mean, like Grant Dawson, for instance, could you know, like Gina Mazzani, for instance. That, there's a good example. Gina Mazzani against Shanna Young. Mazzani could come out and get eight takedowns this fight and spend 13 minutes in control for three rounds and score 122 points in a decision right? That could happen, right? But if I just go by plus 205 and plus 425 and just, you know, just go by the, by, uh, the inside the, the, line, the betting lines and the median projection, it doesn't capture those outcomes. Like those outcomes of, you know, ground and pound control, takedowns, three takedowns in this round, two in that round. Like it doesn't, Marab, I mean, the classic one is Marab Devalish Field. Right. Whenever he's on a slate, he typically rate he would typically rate out poorly in my model, if you want to call it a model. Because before I didn't even have a median projection. I just like, let me just go by the odds. And Marab, a lot of times, his inside the distance is like plus 325. And he's 9,500. Because Marab rarely finishes anymore, but he, he gets 10 takedowns. I mean, like he, he scores 140 points sometimes in decisions. Right, I think he had 158 or 168 in a decision win. So it's like, well, based on just going by by these betting lines, I'm not capturing any of that, any of those outcomes. So that's why I added the median projection. So like the median projection kind of, you know, captures those outcomes. And, and it works for the main event fighters also. In my old way, without these projections in, the main event fighters would end up rating much poorly because... If their inside the distance was low, but I mean, they have five rounds to work with. It didn't take into account a five round decision win because that's not what the betting lines do. So I, by adding the median projection, I capture some of that, but I'm, I'm not capturing enough because these median projections are still medians. Now, if I just go by ceiling projections, go, here's the median, here's the ceiling. Most of these projections are normally distributed, but these fighters really aren't normally distributed type fighters. Not every fighter is like that. A guy like Romanoff, a guy like Dawson, has a much different range of outcomes than Andre Orlovsky, right? How does Andre Orlovsky score 130 in a decision win? He doesn't. I don't. I don't. I don't even know if that's possible. He doesn't wrestle, and he and he throws the six punches around. Like I don't. He either knocks you out or wins a close decision, and scores 64 points maybe. But just going by the median and just going by the ceiling in a normal distribution ain't going to capture that. So I have this other metric in here that is proprietary to another place that captures that, 
right? So I use it as a proxy. So like, what do they score when they win type of, it's like that, that type of thought process. When they win, how, what is, what is the, what is the problem? What is the outcomes on the top end of the spectrum? So you have Arlovsky when he wins like 68, right? Yet Gabe Green is at 126, right? Romanoff 169, right? 106 for Tyra. You can obviously see Mazzani, the heavy grappling dependent, the grappling upside people tend to have higher ceilings. So I want to weigh that in. So that decision win, 100 plus point score is in there a little bit more. So I weight that. So that's, that's what I'm doing. And I'm using that metric as a proxy. If you want to use the actual fight data and come up with your own methodology of doing that, feel free to do so. Me, I'm just trying to piece stuff together. So Hog Lawrence, that, that's, that's what I'm doing. Only because I, I end up a lot of times too much on the knockout artists, for instance. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but like a guy will be, you know, plus 150 and be like, 17% owned and I'll he'll rate out extremely well but he's the type of guy that doesn't wrestle it doesn't strike that much so it's like unless he knocks someone out in the first round like he's dead like this guy just doesn't he most likely doesn't score 100 points but I'm rating it so much higher as if like a round two is fine right like all of that so like I end up getting a lot of the knockout the the, the first round knockout or bust fighters a little a little too much and I don't get the grappling upside wrestlers that may not get a first or second round finish but still score 100 points in a third round finish or a, or a or a decision win so that's what i that that explain why i'm using i'm waiting a metric that represents that as proxy but a lot i mean a lot of things you could do in, in mma like thinking in terms of lineup construction okay a lot of people will have romanoff plus a main event fighter plus Dawson, right? Maybe something like that, right? If we take a look at ownership, like 31%, maybe Tyra. So you go, okay, let's say, you, let's say, let, let's let's use an example. Just, you know, we're just ballparking stuff, okay? You go, how do I fade Romanoff? He's minus 540 inside the, he's 84% chance inside the distance, 68% chance in the first round, okay? Now, if he wins in the first round, he most likely scores 100 points, right? At least 90, right? bare minimum okay what happens if i don't play romanoff and i play one of feely tyra or levy instead right instead so what's the likelihood of one of these three fighters score getting a first round you know we're just using this as a proxy first round uh, odds so what's the likelihood of at least one of feely tyra or levy getting a first round finish. Cause you're going to need that. If you're going to go down from Romanoff to one of these guys, you're going to assume that one of these fighters or at least one of these fighters outscore Romanoff. And if Romanoff wins in the first, I mean, obviously Romanoff winning in the second round, he could score 110 ground and pound. There's tons of you know opportunities for that also. But we just go by first round finish. So how do we solve for that? Okay. I mean, if you, if you take in a statistics and probability class, you, you should already know how to do this. Fortunately, also, there, there, you can Google, there are tons of probability calculators available to you, right? So if you want to see that, uh, this omnicalculator.com, they have tons. You could do Bayes theorem stuff. You could do combinations, permutations, you know, just little, these little widget type of calculations, 
right? It even explains everything, right? The probability calculator for three events. What are the rules of probability? How do you calculate three independent events? Like you could learn basic probability formulas. And now you're going to use the betting lines and go, okay, I want to figure out Philly, Tyra, and Levy. These are their first round odds for a first round finish. You have a 20%, a 25%, and a 16%. Okay. Now, obviously, calculating how often do all three come through would just easily just multiply all three of these numbers. And that's the easy, that's the easy one. 0.2 times 0.25 times 0.16 will equal the probability, if assuming the betting line is efficient, right? Is accurate, that all three get a first round finish. But you don't need you don't need all three to get a first round finish. You're like, how often do one of them get a first round finish? Well, instead of just how do I do that formula? What I, I'm not a math person. Like, just go look at a little probability calculator, right? It'll do it for you. So 20, 25, and 16. So let's put that in. 20, 25, and 16. And there you go. So this is these are those three fighters, Philly, Tyra, and Levy. So the chances of assuming the betting line is accurate on the first round finish, all three getting a first round finish is less than 1% chance, okay? None of them getting a first round finish is 50, half the time, none of them get a first round finish. At least one of them getting a first round finish is about half the time, 49.6. Exactly only one out of the three, 39%, right? So you can take a look here. It's like at least one getting a, is about 50% chance of at least one getting a first round finish. But Romanoff is a 68% chance at getting a first round finish. So the probability of at least one of the nine of these three guys getting a first round finish is still lower than the one guy above them getting it. Okay. This is the main reason why, like at 50 at, at 60% owned, Romanoff may not be owned enough on this slate. Because these five, I mean, especially on this type of slate where, I mean, being a 69% favorite, being a little over a two to one favorite, ain't that massive of a favorite for like 9K level fighters, right? So a lot of people may be getting a little, a little maybe a little, a little too, too cutesy by going, not playing Romanoff. Now, I'm not saying you now play Romanoff with one of these three guys. That's a different story. Okay, maybe that, maybe you do that. But if you're just going to play one of these 9K fighters instead of Romanoff, it's more likely that Romanov outscores all three of them than at least one outscoring Romanov, right? Now, if you're going to play two of them together instead of Romanov, that's a, now you're getting a little bit more unique. But you could use these types of probability counters, right? If you want to, if you want to take, let's say, the high, like the most owned fighters or the most owned underdogs, and you go, a lot of people are going to play Liness and Gordon together, right? So you go, okay, first round finish for Liness. You know, or like you go even inside the distance for Liness and Gordon. Because for, for those prices, they don't need a first round finish. If they score, you know, inside the distance, they're probably good at those prices. So that's 37%, 16%. Who's another big, uh, heavy underdog that's going to be owned? Liness, Gordon, Mearshard, I guess, maybe, right? So let's say you go Liness, Gordon, Mearshart. So that's 37, 16, and 29. 37, 16, and 29. I, I believe, make sure I got that right. For inside the distance. 
percentage-wise. And you go, okay, between those three, the three most owned underdogs, not including Marlon Barrow, who's the uh, main event underdog, the chances of all three winning inside the distance is 1.7%. The chance of at least one winning inside the distance is 62. Exactly one, 44. None of them, 37%. Okay? So none of them getting inside the distance is 30, 37. So one of them is what? 63, about 63, 62 and a half. Okay? Well, what's the combined ownership of these fighters currently that we have? Laness is 29. Right? You go 29 plus Gordon, 27. Mir Shart, 21. That's a total of 77. Okay, so there's going to be 77% total ownership, yet that's more owned than at least one of them scoring, you know, at least winning inside the distance. So probably those combinations of all three are going to be over, are, that's an over owned combination, right? Probably two of them together is an over owned combination. So depending on how over owned, these fighters are, because once the ownership starts coming down, then it's a different story. Maybe if you're going to play Romanoff in your lineup, maybe you don't play Liness and Gordon together. Because now, you, now, you're, now you're limiting the amount of the combinations you can make. These combinations of Romanoff plus those two together, plus one of the main event fighters, that may be, you may be duped too many times. Like, I'm not running to see how many dupes could it be. I'm not running simulations. You could see, I'm not doing anything magical here, right? I'm not even doing anything exact, right? Mathematically, I'm not even being that exact. But I'm still being directionally, like, in the ballpark of, like, oh, the, the playing two of the biggest underdog, the biggest, most owned underdogs, probably not that great of an idea to begin with, but especially playing it with a 60% owned Romanoff and a 40% owned main event fighter, like that sounds like it's too old, right? Well, I compare that ownership to the actual probability. Like, if, like why is Gordon to be so high owned? Like when his inside the distance line is plus five, four, five forty-five, right? Now he's a high volume type of fighter. Yeah, I get it. But I think he's all gonna be over, if he's 27% owned, he's gonna be over owned. I think he's gonna be higher than that personally. I think the Daw I think the Dawson Gordon fight in general is going to be overall. But you could like compare the actual odds to the ownership and do all those types of combinations. You're going to say, oh, how many people are going to have this fighter and that fighter in their lineup? And then what are the odds that these two fighters both get a finish? And see what the difference is between the two. Is it worth playing? Because then sometimes you have those situations where Roman Romanoff, it's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to fade the highest owned fighter. It's like, dude. Dude, he's like an 84% chance of destroying this person. He should be more owned. And how do you know that? By running those probabilities. By using calculator. You don't even have to, you don't have to learn formulas. Just Google, just Google probability calculators. You can find pages upon pages on Google of them. Right. I just happen to choose Omni Calculator. So it looks a little the, the site looks a little bit more well designed. You can just see you're interested, right? Now, obviously you could do like, you could do this in Excel, right? You could put you, these probability formulas you could put in Excel and do it for you, right? You could even have it as a selector. You could have something, you could do that. 
We just want to just like, oh, I just, uh, what's the chances that one of these two fighters, you know, score whatever, or one of these two fighters do do this, or you could even use percentiles of the projection and go how 80% of the time this guy scores X amount of points. How often do these four things happen? Independent events. Just go to a probability calculator. So you don't have to worry about doing, you know, seeing the P's and the A's and the B's and the, and the whatever, and the, the upside down U's. And then, and then these bars, right? You don't even know what to call them. You're just like, ah, your, your head explodes. Well, there, just, just go to these little sites. Omnicalculator.com is one of them. So there's, there's a little math lesson for today. Uh, but uh, but we're covering the, the MLB slate, the large 13, 13 game slate. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 20. Yeah, 13 game slate tonight on Grinders Live. So tune in later. Dean and the guys, they'll take you through the entire slate for MLB tonight. Crunch time, always free. It comes on right after Grinders Live with uh, Kevin Roth. You get the weather update. I don't know if there's any weather situations tonight, but you can see live locks for prop betting on the Scores and Odds channel at 2 p.m. Eastern. we got some hockey content. we got soccer projections. We've got MMA, the ground and pound for, for premium members. So we got that podcast. We got a ton of stuff. So sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Click on the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. And uh, good luck in baseball tonight, I guess. And obviously, if you're not in the contest that I'm in. And then we got soccer, MMA tomorrow. Don't dupe me, bro. Don't dupe me, bro, in MMA. And I will see you back here on Monday, answering your DFS strategy questions as I always do on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.